Well, it's my turn. Thank you for being here. And thank you for not getting up leaving before I spoke, okay? I appreciate your pastor. He's very generous and very kind, wonderful host. I, uh, I pray for him. I got to tell you about this. I started out praying for him every Sunday, okay? And then I realized that I had some other preachers that I prayed for every day that I didn't like. <laughs> so I said, I'm praying for them and I don't even like that bunch. What about Ron? So I started praying for Ron around December or so. Every, what in the world? <laughs> Heavenly calling. <laughs> Either that or something else. I'm not sure, all right? Well, I started praying for him, so now I pray for him every day by name, and every Sunday I text him to let him know I'm still here and I'm still praying. We are, I'm an interim pastor at uh, Jefferson Baptist Church in Virginia. It is the oldest Baptist church in uh, Culpeper County. Uh, it uh, was founded 1773. Huh? And I've not found a single member that was at the first service. <laughs> I always say the same thing. We're the biggest Baptist church in downtown Jefferson. Really? Yeah. We're the only church in downtown Jefferson. <laughs> uh, I, I say these things. Uh, I was preaching at a church here not long ago. There was a combined services with another church to have a special emphasis. And just before I preached... As I came in to take a seat, when I walked in, this lady walked up and she grabbed me by the arm. She said, you wait back there just a minute. <laughs> yes, ma'am. What kind of preacher are you? Oh, I said, that's easy. I'm a cross between Joel Osteen and Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> I will look at you and smile and say, God loves you. Get her done. <laughs> My wife jumps on me all the time. She said, would you please act your age? And I always say to her, I don't know. I don't know how. I've never been this old before. <laughs> Today, different than my normal preaching, I want to share with you my heart. Let me tell you, first of all, I prepared this message two, three weeks ago in anticipation of being here. And then when Ron told me the other day, he says, Carlin, Sunday will be communion. I literally had a spiritual spell. Now, my spiritual spells literally are no more than my happy dance. And every now and then, I get a little bit, even though I'm a Baptist, I can get in the pulpit and I get wound up. I'm going to do my dance. I ain't got for so long to do this. Then when I get to heaven, we're really going to dance, all right? <laughs> Mercy, that was great, and grace was free. Pardon, that was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty. At Calvary, 
Alas, and did my Savior plead, and did my sovereign die, would he devote his sacred head for such a worm as I at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart was rolled away, and it was there by faith that I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and that I love that old cross where the dearest and the best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Today, I want to talk to you heart to heart, briefly, about this subject. Throw the cross into it. It was the night of the Passover. Two and a half million people were preparing either to leave with Moses under God's direction or they were going to ignore God and end up dying with the death angel. Now, the Passover had a long list of, of instructions, but they were clear. And you know what it took? It took one thing to have the blessing of the Passover. What was that? Obedience. Boy, that's a word we've forgotten nowadays. Amen? Excuse me, is somebody declare this a golf tournament? <laughs> is that the best you can do? I think you need to go to a ball game and learn something from some cheerleaders. That's just an observation. You know, some people can be ugly. I'm not. I'm not ugly, I'm plain. They say that every third person is ugly. So if you would, turn to your right and turn to the left and you be the judge. Can I ask you a question? Why are you laughing more than you said amen? <laughs> I grew up in this church. That's right. Everything I know about church work, Jerry Prevo taught me. Everything goes wrong, I point to him and say, it's his fault. <laughs> Obedience. Do you know what it took for God to perform a miracle and to show people that he can give life? In the very face of death itself, it takes obedience. Well, wait a second. Then when two and a half million people got to the Red Sea, there was something else that happened. The Bible says they walked across on dry ground. Now, I don't know if you know or not, but riverbeds don't dry up that fast. And see, you got to put some science to it. You see, for that, them to be able to cross the Red Sea at the, where they were during flood time, and two and a half million people to exit and go across that, it would have taken a span of water to open up somewhere in the neighborhood of, of, of six miles for two and a half million people to get across in that period of time. Now, I know that's not what you saw on the Ten Commandments. I know that. 
They were wrong. Six and a half miles of water drying back, and the Bible says the walls of the water turned was congealed. You know, that's the word we get our word jello from. I always think that's the neatest thing. God separated the waters into jello. <laughs> now, it took obedience for the Passover, it took great faith to step in that dry bed. Take your family, your baby, your kids. You teenagers, will you get up here? That's teenagers. Why are you walking back here? They give you, their vocabulary consists of two words. Oh, no. <laughs> Amen, teenagers? Amen, teenagers? There you go. All right, yeah. <laughs> Almost caused a happy dance. Anyways, then there's something third I want you to see. There was the obedience of the Passover. There was the faith of the dry land. But then when they got across from the dry land, the Bible says they rejoiced. Woo! They didn't mess around. You know, as many times as I preach in places, I got to tell you, some people tell me, well, I just think you show a little too emotional. Well, tough. <laughs> Listen, I'm a great fan of NASCAR. I'm a great fan of football. I'm a great fan of baseball. When it comes to the car racing, when they come out of turn four, doorknob to doorknob, waiting for that green flag, and they come down through there and they throw that green flag. Boogity, 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 let's go racing, boys. <laughs> and you want me to come to church and be quiet? You want me to worship a living Savior that comes from a living book, from the Holy Spirit that lives within me, and you want me to be quiet? You better buy a big muzzle. When they crossed that Jordan River and they got on the other side over there, they were rejoicing in the middle of their rejoicing. Say with me now, in Exodus chapter 15, guess what? Two and a half million people started getting thirsty. Their animals started getting thirsty. And God said to them, at the wilderness of Shur, I always love that name, wilderness of Shur. Where you live? Shur. No, where do you live? Sure. <laughs> Wilderness is sure. Moses says, God, what do you want me to do? People are dying of thirst. Animals are dying. God said, I want you to look over there by that water. Moses had already tasted the water. It was bitter. And Moses said, we can't serve people and animals bitter water. Can't do that. So God says, look there by the water, there's a tree. Moses, I want you to cut that tree down. So Moses goes in his tent, grabs that steel chainsaw, <laughs> turns his cap around Baptist, takes that thing, 
splash. Bible says, God says, Moses, take the tree and throw it in the water. There's something I learned about that. Let me tell you. Number one, Moses did what God said, but number two, it had to be a small tree for Moses to pick a tree up and throw it in the water. But Moses did exactly what God said. Now listen to me very carefully. When he threw the tree into the water, the water was made sweet. There's a lesson. Here it is. Throw the cross into your business. We all get bitter from time to time. From time to time, things happen to us. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 14 says, I complained in my bitterness. James chapter 3 verse 14 said, I was bitter in myself. Job chapter 3 verse 14, I had bitterness in my soul. Job chapter 3 verse 20 said, life was bitter. Job chapter 23 uh, verse 12 says, uh, today my soul is bitter. Uh, and Job chapter 13, verse 26, for you have made things bitter. Ruth said, don't call me by my name no more. Uh-uh, no, no, I'm too mad. I'm too upset. I'm too bitter. Call me by my name, and that is my new name is bitter. Jeremiah, when he saw what Nebuchadnezzar had done to Jerusalem, the Bible says he became bitter. Matthew chapter 16, verse 75 says, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. What do you do when you get bitter? Throw the cross of Jesus Christ in it. Let me tell you, everybody gets bitter. Maybe right now, maybe right here, this very moment, maybe God's put all this together for you to hear me say to you in a kind and wonderful way, you don't have to be bitter. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be put off. You don't have to be ticked off. My dear friend, if you'll take the cross of Jesus Christ and throw it in your bitterness, God says it'll become sweet. That's the answer. 1980, the preacher took a group of us to the Holy Land. Bill Light was on that trip. I remember being there, Carol was there. I remember they took us to Calvary. I remember, you know what? I just thought of something. Do you realize how dark it is in this room? And they got the light, I mean, they got the time back there where it's dark. I have no idea what time it is. <laughs> but that's okay because my New Year's resolution was to preach longer sermons. 1980, we went to the Holy Land. When we went to Calvary, I shall never forget the experience I had. I was moved so emotionally that I could not hold back the tears. I didn't want to be a scene, so I stepped back out of the way, and everybody, the guide says, come on, it's time to leave, and everybody left except me. I stood there. I couldn't move. My wife walked up to me. She says, Carlin, come on. You're going to miss uh, going with the tour. Come on. I said, Linda, I can't move. I said, I am just so moved. I am just so moved. My dear friend, I was moved with tears because all of a sudden the cross of Calvary became my focus. It's the cross of Calvary that gave, made me understand his love. My hope came from the cross. 
I learned about grace from the cross. I learned about faith from the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, when I was a young teenage boy, I'm a young boy of 10 years old, I saw the cross in light of, uh, of what hell was really all about. We had an evangelist that came to our church, and he preached on hell. He scared the living life out of me. Let me tell you something, my dear friend. I got saved that night not to go to heaven, but to avoid hell. And I remember when he said, if you want heaven as your home and Jesus is your Savior, I want you to raise your hand right now. I couldn't wait for him to get that part. I threw my hand up right away. Three of us, my buddies, two of them, and myself sat right back there. And listen to me. That evangelist invited us to come down. He got down on his knees. He took his Bible. He said, boys, if you want heaven as your home, I want you to read this verse and pray with me. I did. And my dear friend, that was 1961, and I ain't over yet. The cross makes things sweeter. The cross takes things that absolutely is impossible and makes them sweet. Story, follow me. I had a couple was in my church. Wife and boy came every Sunday, every service. Every service came to the altar, prayer time. That wife and that boy never saw their dad, saw Ray, her husband. So she said, Pastor, she said, be careful, Ray, but I would really appreciate it if you would go and witness to him. So the following day, Monday, I went out to his shop, his business, and I walked in. He goes, Preacher, stop right there. I stopped. He said, Let me tell you something. You're looking at a man that hates God. I hate God. God took my daddy. A few years before that, his father had passed away suddenly. I hate God. God took my daddy. God took my daddy. I said, I'm sorry, Ray. Would you permit me to pray? No. I said, okay. Will you permit me to leave? He said, yes. Follow him very carefully. Two months later, it was Christmas. Ray's little boy was in our Christmas program. Just like uh, you've seen here at the past pageants. We have one back then, too. And the little boy had a part with many other children, but he had a part in the program. Well, lo and behold, I remember meeting that week, and my team that put the thing together said, Pastor, now, time is tight, so you do not have time for a sermon. Mistake number one. <laughs> then they told me I had five minutes to preach. Then I remembered, this is the group that joined our church from First Baptist Church, Fantasy Island. <laughs> I said, I appreciate that. And I said, I will do my best to preach five minutes. And then when they left the room, I said, at the end of my message. I remember that night, I didn't have a five-minute message. All right, I'll tell you that up front. 
but it was only 10 minutes, which was one of my more shorter. I remember when I came up on the stage to give my message, I kind of went around the room like I'm doing right now. And when I did, I came over here and right back in here, I looked on the front row and lo and behold, guess who was there? Ray. I'm going to tell you something, Brother Ron. I preached my heart out that night. I gave that 10 minutes the best I could. I mean, I prayed before I got up. I said, God, I need a miracle from you today. I really do. Help me to preach within 10 minutes. And the second miracle is help me to have good results. I remember when I got to the time to have prayer. I said, now, if you want, remember me in the evangelist? I said, if you want heaven as your home and Jesus as your Savior, here's what you do. Pray this prayer with me. Out of Romans chapter 10, verse 19. I prayed the prayer and I said, now, if you prayed that prayer and you sincerely meant it and you really meant it with God, I want you to raise your hand up good and high. Folks, I like to fell out in the floor when one of the first hands went up was raised. Now, this, this story, here's the ending to it. Do you want to know that 10-minute sermon I gave? Do you know what the subject and the message was that 10 minutes? Here it is. From the cradle to the cross. The message was all about the cross. Throw the cross into it. My dear friend, I want you to know something this morning. I don't care what it is you're battling. I don't care what it is you're faced with. I don't care what it is. There's something you got to understand. You don't throw education. You don't throw humanism. You don't throw religion at your bitterness. No, no, no. You throw the cross of Jesus Christ at your bitterness. One of my Ladies, her husband died. He was a Marine, retired. He still was full Marine. He fought in both Korean War and Vietnam. Real honor. When he died, my lady who lives across the street, her neighbors was a young couple that had a tragedy in their home. Family's last name was King. And... Uh, about a year or so before that, they had an infant to die in the crib. And you can imagine how hard that was to handle. Anyways, I remember I asked Ruth, I said, Ruth, do you think they're up for me to go visit them? She says, I'll go with you if you want to go, preacher. I said, let's get it on. So we went across the street and we knocked on the door and uh, her husband came to the door and he said, can I help you? And she, he spoke to Ruth and said, oh, Ruth, come on in. So I, we walked in. I looked at him. I said, I'm here because I want to pray with you and let you know that you're welcome to come to our church. About that time, his wife, Marie, came down the hallway and she looked at me and she said, I hate God. Whoa. She said, my God, God took my baby. Preacher, God killed my baby. God killed my baby. He let it die. I saw right away this was not a good time. I excused myself. I took my dear lady, a neighbor out, 
As we crossed the street, I looked over, I said, Ruth, it's going to take that lady a long time. It's going to take that man a long time to get over that. Listen to me, folks, I want to tell you something. A couple months later, I did a funeral, and at that funeral, I happened to notice on the back row, sitting on the inside, was that couple. And I said, oh, my goodness. And I looked at my notes, and I thought, this sermon just doesn't fit with what they're going to hear today. But this is what the Holy Spirit's laid on my heart, and I can't hold back. I got to do it. Now, listen to me. Listen to what happens. I remember that day very clearly. I preached on the cross at a funeral. I preached on the cross at a funeral. I gave it every single thing that I had. And at the end of my sermon, at a funeral, I gave an invitation. And you know who the first couple to raise their hands was the King family back there. Woo! Woo! I knew it was coming on. This morning already, your pastor has reminded us about Jesus on the cross. Focus on his head. Focus on his face. Focus on the beard they were pulling out. Focus on the body that was beaten. Blow focus on the blood on his hands. Focus on the blood on his feet. Focus on all of it. Why? Throw the cross into it. Right in the middle of your bitterness. Get right with God. Do you have any idea? I've been in the ministry for 50 years. Do you know how many sermons I got in notebooks? And God laid this one on my heart because he knew that we were going to have communion. And God says, Carlin, I need you to teach on the cross a little bit during the worship service. Yep, you just go on and get loose. Let the Holy Spirit take care of you, and I'll use you. Glad you said that way because I want to tell you another story. Don't get excited. I tell stories and close over and over and over. Matter of fact, I got about 42 ways to do closing the sermon. I was at my office one day. Phone rang and the secretary said, Pastor, um, there's a lady on the phone. She's crying and she needs your help. I got on the phone right away. She explained to me that her teenage son, that morning when he was supposed to get ready and go to school instead, he had written a suicide note, took his father's pistol, and killed himself. His father was a colonel active in the United States Army, stationed at Fort Belvoir right there in Virginia. And when I got to the hospital emergency room, I met the family, except the dad. And I asked his wife, I said, where's your husband? She said, he's on his way, and we want you to tell him. I said, okay. So I went to the... People in the hospital, I said, I need a room, and I need not to be disturbed. And they said, we'll take care of you, Reverend Dempsey. I said, thank you. The door opened and came to Dad, and he sat down, and I said, I got some bad news to give you. Your son this morning, instead of going to school, took and took his life. Did you hear me? He took his life. He jumped up. 
he said some very ugly words. He looked at me. He says, I hate God. He got right over on top of me and pointed my finger in my face. And he said, I hate God. God, let my son do that. God, let my son do that. God, let my son do that. I let him get it out of his system. I remember later that week when I began to put the funeral together in the service, in the order of service for Quentin. That was the boy's name. And I began to think of bringing him a couple of his friends talking, maybe his sister to talk and things like that. When I went to the sister, the family was there, and I said, would she be willing to just say something about her brother? The mother spoke up right away and said yes. The dad stood there and he said, if she wants to, she can. So we decided to let her. She got up and she never said a word. She got over emotion. And I could see the, the bitterness in her father. So I went right into the message. And that day, I preached on the cross that Jesus gave his life for us. When I finished my message, I prayed. When we finished on the way out the door, the family asked, could they meet with me? And I said, yes. And I met with the family. And when I did, listen to me, folks, when I met with the family, the first thing out of dad's mouth was, preacher, tell us how we can know Jesus. I can't take it no more. I got to tell you, if you've got a life that's got bitterness in it, if you're a little sour somebody, if you've got a little hurt you're carrying around because they did or they said something, let me tell you something, my dear friend. You need to go to Calvary and you need to say, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified at Calvary, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my soul rolled away. You know why we don't need to be bitter? Listen, I can tell you. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. I am so glad that Jesus loves me. Jesus loves even me. There was a lady, my well, praise team, come on up. There was a lady who was in the hospital. Uh, and uh, doctors had examined her and decided she was going to die. They just didn't know how long it was going to take. And uh, the truth is, is that the doctors told the nurses, you better find her pastor and let, her know, let him know that she is passing away. Well, the truth was, is that the pastor was out of town. 
And when the nurse found that out, she said, well, I'll just contact the, the uh, chaplain and uh, get the chaplain to come see her. So the chaplain came in and chaplain's wasn't Baptist. He said to her, she says, ma'am, would you like to, in your last moments here on this earth, uh, do a confessional and to confess your sins? And the lady, broken whisper said, uh, okay. And so the chaplain began to tell her that if you will confess your sins to me, I will ask God to forgive you and you'll be able to go to heaven that way. She said, can you wait just a moment? And he said, yes. And so she said, can I feel your left hand? And with very weak hands and fingers, she took and rubbed that hand. And she said, can I see your other hand? And he handed her his other hand and she rubbed it and she rubbed it. And she said, sir, you can't forgive me my sins. The one that can, can be, forgive me of my sins has nail scars in his hands. Are you bitter today? Are you bitter? Come in just a moment. I'm going to have you. I'm going to invite you. Come to the altar. I have a little thing I do at our church. I say, meet me at the altar. You see, every sermon I preach, I got to come to the altar. I do. I want you to come this morning. And if you never invited Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I'm going to help you just like that evangelist helped me. He said, turn, look here in Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. Listen now, for whosoever, that means anybody, shall call upon the name of the Lord, that means pray, shall be, not might be, not could be, not even a maybe. He said, shall be saved. That means my dear friend seated in that, that pew this morning, you can pray a simple prayer and a loving and forgiving holy God will hear your prayer, forgive your sins, and prepare you a home in heaven that when you breathe your last beat, breath and you take your last bait of your heart, you're going to be with him. If you've never prayed that prayer, you need to do it right now. Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. If you want heaven as your home and Jesus as a Savior, would you be willing to pray with me? Yes, Pastor. But the truth is, I don't know what to say to God. Let me help you. I'm going to pray a short prayer with you. You can put it in your own words or pray it with me and you together, repeating it word for word with me. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord Jesus, go ahead and pray it. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I ask you this morning to come into my heart and save me. Forgive me my sins. Take me to heaven when I die.